got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of a defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Oh, and he was absolutely knocked back into that tweet by Atwood. David Atwood has got titanium in his shoulders at the moment. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bath Rugby Plug podcast. The rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. I'm Gabriel and I'm joined in a room filled with Bath fans. That is Charlie. Hello everybody. And that is Tom. Hi guys. How are we gents? Uh, Tom, how was, how was your weekend mate? Yeah, really good thanks. Yeah, I went, went down to London actually, but uh, managed, to, managed to catch the game on, on Saturday, which, um, yeah, which I really enjoyed actually. How about you Charlie? Yeah, 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 it was good. Uh, we were playing rugby at the weekend mm. up at Old Sulians again, Another weren't win. we? Another win for the boys. Uh, yeah, there was, there was. It was a, it was a well fought, well fought fifteen nil victory. The conditions weren't one for kicking. Um, there was rain and wind coming in sideways, and uh, yeah, there was uh, not many conversions put over from the touchline. But yeah, we managed to uh, managed to. Uh, squeeze out a win in tricky conditions so very happy with clean, that clean sheet as well did you have another another stormer in the midfield in defence oh of course bringing in hits left right and centre <laughs> you know me yeah <laughs> yeah it was fun I, I played alongside Charlie it was a fun game it was a very satisfying victory but at one point I was I came off the pitch thinking it was like the difference between the way the, the game's refereed at the, the top level and the, the way it's refereed <laughs> at our level the, the number of high shots seatbelt tackles is um, it's remarkable, isn't it? It's like the referees haven't seen a, a game of the professional. Yeah, one staff. one of the blokes uh, in our team, our, our flanker, got absolutely creamed. Had his head taken off by a bloke. I, we were all pretty sure we saw his soul leave his body, but uh, <laughs> ref said it was fine. Play on. Uh, but you know that's 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 where it's done. Yeah, where it's well, done. No HIAs or anything. Let's get straight into it, then, boys, because we have got so much to talk about on this week's podcast. We've got Bath's uh, defeat to European champions Leinster, and we've also got stuff regarding transfers for the club, stadium for Bath, and then we're going to look ahead to to the blue, black, and white trip to Dublin uh, next weekend. Let's get into it, boys. And Tom, you mentioned that you saw the game on Saturday. Um, what was your What was your overriding emotion uh, come the end of the game? Because obviously it was a defeat, but I think. You know, a lot of what I've what I've read, and you know, my feelings towards it was, you know, a little bit of positivity. Yeah, and and to be honest, like you say, it was a defeat, but it's it's probably amongst the most positive that I felt um, after a game, sort of all season, which you know really says something about some of the quality <laughs> yeah. of, of our performances, you know, and, and our results this season. I thought, um, you know, many elements of our game were improved. We've spoken a lot um, on this podcast about about our attack and how it's it, it's not been potent at all, and then playing against you know the best team in Europe. Um, and I thought we looked we looked much much better. Um, you know there was some structure in attack for once. Um, I thought James Wilson had a good game um, yeah. coming back. He he run the show. Um, obviously apart from that that interception, but um, I thought that was the one area of the game that uh, that we really improved. Uh, we looked threatening, and um, yeah, hopefully we can take that into into Saturday and beyond. Yeah, as you say, we weren't running just one out rugby like we have been, and that's what we've been banging on about over the past couple of weeks. Because that's what was. The real main frustration with Sale, and we're actually cutting some nice lines, running some nice shapes, just mixing up the attack a bit more, as you say. Mm. But what do you guys reckon? You know, in terms of our attack being uh, much improved this week, do you think that Gervin Dempsey, having been involved with Leinster, 
would it would have helped? Obviously, obviously it would have helped, but mm. do you think that could be the main reason for it? Well, I think like what you say there, Charlie. I think um, the big positive was that um, that we came off off ten a lot more, um, yeah. and whether that was uh, you know James Wilson uh, who was distributing that ball, or or uh, Jackson Willison often uh, stepped into the the sort of first receiver role and and kind of changed the point of attack, um, which was which which really helped because um, that allowed us to to get over the gain line uh, because if you're a lot le- if you're obviously less predictable in attack um you know you're, you're more likely to win the collisions and so i think that that was really key for us um tom did did, did you agree do you agree with that yeah i, I was, I was going to sort of pick up on what, what charlie was saying i think <laughs> it yes. was thanks for answering my question game. <laughs> I, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I did didn't i <laughs> no i asked about gervin dempsey I'll, 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 come on to, <laughs> I'll come on i'll come on to gervin dempsey i think this is the first game actually that we've started to see sort of his style of play mm. come through don't know whether that was because it was sort of against Leinster and there was you know a bit more fire maybe this week um, in terms of what yeah. he, he was bringing to the table. But um, yeah, it was that playing off off ten, the sort of wraparound play that um, we do see very often from Johnny Sexton and Leinster and yeah. Brian O'Driscoll um, on commentary picked mm. up on that that it was it was um, akin to something we have you know we've seen from from Leinster over recent seasons. So I think it was. I think it was um, Dempsey starting to to make his mark actually, which is good to see finally. Yeah, I, yeah. Like fished, he fished his playbook out of the RSC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> told him, told Leinster to pick it up on yeah. their way over. Drop the flags yeah. in yeah. the RSC and bring the. Uh... <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know, Tom. I don't want to don't want to um, be negative here, but um, I, I noticed uh, as you mentioned that uh, Brian O'Driscoll did mention um, uh, in the commentary um, that he he could see sort of. Dempsey's um, fingerprint on on the Bath's attack, and you know who am I to to argue with with Brian O'Driscoll? He's going to know a lot more about about that than me. But I I still don't think I saw um, a really potent Bath attack. It was it was certainly better. Um, and I think the structure was was certainly better, and the way we played off off of other off other uh, playmakers was definitely better. But but and this probably isn't Dempsey's fault uh, necessarily, but we still continue to cough up the ball when we when we get into the twenty two. Yeah. And whilst this was was certainly a step forward, and and there were positives like like we're going to come on to, you know, a lot of positives. I thought we still continue to cough up the ball when we, when we get into the twenty two, and we just start to to look like we're going to. Um, Look like we're gonna, you know, get, get our opportunities. And, yeah. yeah, and we we just cough the ball up, and that means you know we don't even get a penalty from it, and and let the scoreboard ticking over, and that that was still frustrating for me. Yeah, that's uh, some simple and basic errors, and I think you know, again, conditions will have played a part in that. Um, we were yeah, playing on the top of the hill, probably a little bit windier, but um, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, they were still down there, it was still pouring down with rain, a lot of wind. Uh, which would have affected that, but obviously, I I, I, I agree with what you're saying, Gabe. Um, it, it it is it is one of those frustrations that we can't just uh, we can't you know grab these opportunities and make the most of them. Uh, but it, one of the more frustrating things I've I found was uh, was you know the you know line out again when we mm. we, we ended up we just key key positions when we're got a set piece or something like when we're just turning the ball over giving it away far too easily which is stopping us building on things and I don't know what you've always think. yeah and I think that comes down to yeah sorry Tom just quickly that comes down to to, to the same sort of problem as coughing the ball up conditions uh, and just like a lack of basics accuracy and, and that yeah accuracy yeah. and that's not a coaching thing is it um Tom? I don't think it is because I think there were passages of play where we were accurate and actually one of the points I was going to make um, about why I thought sort of attack was improved and that was because we brought back some offloading and some accurate offloading uh, back into Mm. our game and you know that's very much led 
uh, by Jackson Willison, who I think was a top offloader um, in the game out of both sides. So I think it's that, being able to offload on the gain line. The other point that I think um, sort of maybe um, made our attack look slightly better than it was compared to previous weeks is that we were winning the collisions. Yeah. And that's such an important thing to be able to do when you're trying to uh, sort of play the power game, the one-up runners that we are. Um, yeah, we, we we won you know the great majority of the collisions against Leinster in a way that we weren't able to do against Sale. And I think that, um, as I say, that made... Uh, the attack roll on a bit and it made it a bit more potent I think yeah completely sorry Chai before you come in I'll ask you a question mate and you mentioned it last week about us not winning the collisions Blackadder uh, mentioned it in his in his post-match interview that, that that was what he felt was the real difference but it's not like it's a massively different team that we're putting out why why the why the difference here in, in, in between the two performances in terms of the collisions well Gabriel if I knew, I'd be a very rich man because that is the million-dollar question, and you know, and our coaches have no idea why either. And that's yeah. that's what's uh, that's what's driving us up the wall is why can't we play like this every week? Uh, you know, it, it was it was a much much improved game. Obviously, there were problems like we're talking about now, but there were things that were much improved as well. Uh, and if you you think if we played like that against Sale, we would have walked away with the full five points. And we'd be uh, we'd be putting our head and shoulders just above everyone else in the league, which is a bit of a jostle. It's the Premiership, obviously. Um, but if you, if you if if you can tell me, let me know. But and if anyone can tell anyone, please let us know because we're all Bath fans. We all want Bath to win, uh, and. It, it seems impossible to know. Yeah, if you do know, let us know. But CC <laughs> Todd Blackadder in there as well, because he'd probably quite like to know. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the improved performance there. Tom, what was the area that you felt was the, the, the area that we improved most on, as, apart from the, the, the domination of the, the gain line and the collisions? So the defence was a lot better this week. Um, you know, 87% um, tas- tackle success against mm. the European champions you know, when you compare that to 59% against, uh, you know, the bottom of the, mm. the Premiership sale last season, obviously um, that that was much improved. I thought the back row um, mm. in general, all three of them were absolutely exceptional, actually. I think having low and underhill um, on the field at the same time is a massive asset for any team. You know, we, we made a real nuisance of ourselves at, at the breakdown, yeah, both that's... underhill and low. I think, yeah, five and four um, turnovers sort of respectively for those guys. Um, they, they were fantastic at the breakdown and in, and in key moments, you know, in mm. our 22. Um, yeah, well. And they came up with a good time and time again. So, uh, yeah, I thought those two were fantastic. And I thought Tom Ellis probably had his best game in the Bath shirt as well. Yeah, that's I what I was going to say. I was just going to say the entire back row. Yeah, I thought, the entire back row know. is brilliant. Do you think we're better balanced with that, that back row with Ellis in there, Charlie, with, with the two fetchers and Ellis playing a slightly different role? Um, yeah, I, 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 saw, I, I saw Ellis as... Uh, I, 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 there were glimpses I saw of him... The way he looks as well, he reminded me almost of Tom Croft back in his back in his glory days. Uh, <laughs> Quite got the pace, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe not his, his same pace, but he's uh, he, he he does carry the ball quite well. And when he's in, he got a bit of open space. Uh, he, he can certainly get those uh, get those pistons going. But um, I think I think he's yeah, he's a real workhorse. He's fantastic around the park, uh, and I I I, th- I thought it was great. Um, probably like to see slight more, maybe a touch more dynamism, especially when uh, mm. when uh, it. Not, not, not from him particularly I'm thinking in the balance of the back row especially when the season obviously we're heading into the winter months now so it's probably best but I think it'll be 
it's tough to leave a, a player of, like Zach Mercer out of a side, what? especially when the game dries up. Talupi Falata as well, mate. You, oh yeah, you of forget. course. Yeah. yeah. So but I think I think uh, I wasn't sure if you were going to mention it there, Tom, but I think uh, Tom Ellis was absolutely outstanding. Actually, um, I thought he he provided um, a real a real go forward uh, both in attack and in defence, and, and let Underhill and, and Low. Um, um, you know, play the game that uh, that they like to play over the ball, and I thought he was I thought he was excellent uh, um, uh, on on Saturday. Yeah, but I, I do think, well, for me, I thought the man who who had a standout in the back row was Francois Lowe. I thought he had his best game for a while. Actually, he made some real key turnovers in key positions, and I think that's where if you if you're a back row. Being a marquee player, those—that's what you make. That's where you make your bucks. I think uh, playing just, for his contract. Yeah, I was going to say just as his, uh, just <laughs> as, go, as, the, as the contract talks. Well, I was just going to say on 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 your point, G. I do think Tom Ellis had a good game. However, we've spoken about the sort of embarrassment of riches we've got um, in our back row, and for me, um, what that back row does lack slightly is just that carrying ability. Um, you know, Tom Ellis. We're looking at seven carries, five meters made, one defender's beaten. <laughs> You compare that to, to the stat, you know, um, the performances we've seen from Underhill, uh, sorry, from Underhill, from uh, Mercer and from Falatau, and I would just like to see. No, in and the from num- Underhill, probably as well. I think Underhill's yeah. he's, he's carrying and go forward's been phenomenal this season. I just, well just think, I just think Francois Lowe's best position is flanker. Obviously, we know Sam Underhill will be playing seven, and I think just in the number eight shirt, um, our back row. I think the balance of the back row will be in, improved slightly just by having um, you know Falatau mm-hmm. or Mercer come back in, and I think also that takes some of the pressure off. The other guys in the forwards who you know did carry very well, the likes of you know Henry Thomas, mm. um, who I thought had his uh, had his best game mm. and, and looked dangerous um, in the carry. But um, yeah, Tom Ellis played really well. But I think for the balance of the back row, it'd be nice, uh, obviously, to have uh, British and Irish line uh, Toby Falatel uh, come back. And it, it sounds like he's he's not too far away. Hopefully, yeah, I think you know you're a stats man, Tom, and as I as I've said before on this podcast, and and yeah, that is fair enough um, those stats. But I was I was impressed, with, uh, very impressed with Ellis. So yeah, I thought yeah. he, I definitely thought he carried better than than the stats that you've just uh, presented. So so that's interesting. But um, really good performance from him, and uh, yeah, an embarrassment of riches as we keep saying. Um, who else um, stood out for you, uh, Charlie, uh, in terms of an individual performance, perhaps away from the from the back row? Yeah, well, the person I've talked up quite a few times already uh, is Rory McConaughey. Uh, I thought he looked phenomenal underneath the high ball again. Uh, it's it's a real surprise. It's a pleasant surprise, obviously. But uh, we, we mentioned last week he's not really a, an area that you have to focus on too much in sevens. And he's come across and he's just looks... Uh, it's taking it like a duck to water. So it's fantastic. Uh, got a real turn of foot on him as well. Uh, obviously, with a fantastic team like Leinster European champions, uh, it's 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 tough to really really stand out. But I thought he did a did a phenomenal had a phenomenal game. Yeah, I think the point that you make is that what is so surprising um, is that his work under the high ball because yeah, that's just not what they do in sevens. And he was so composed um, and and an extremely difficult day to to. To be under the high ball, and and they never, you know, they've got Sexton at ten as well, and they never sort of found grass that often um, when they were kicking uh, in behind him. So you know, positionally, you know, you don't really get an idea of positionally just watching it on the telly. But um, positionally, seems to be a stew under the high ball, brilliant. So he's really stepped up in the absence of Homer and and Watson. He's really grabbed his chance, which has been brilliant to see. Yeah, really, really good. Uh, I, I was slightly disappointed with our two wingers, though. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I'm. 
I thought having watched the game uh, for the first 10, 20 minutes, I thought Rocco Daguni was going to have one of his electric storming games. He was making some good carries, popping up around the field. And then he just seemed to disappear. Didn't didn't see him again basically for the rest of the game. Mm. Uh, Big Joe putting in, he's as enthusiastic as always. I just feel like there's sometimes just, he seems a bit like a bit of a rough diamond that we haven't managed to polish yet. Um, I don't know if you boys would agree with that. Yeah, I, I think Joe... Um, probably didn't have his best game on the weekend. I was, uh, you know, he, um, for their for um, for their try for just before for the lead up to their try. You know, he gives away the penalty, not being able to clear his lines, and, and then for the for the for the penalty at the end there as well. And just a couple of times where I think he gets the ball. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I think he gets the ball and he feels like he, you know, he has to, he has to score almost immediately. And even when he's under a bit of pressure, um, you know, being turned. Um, by a kick from the opposition I feel like sometimes he just needs to clear his lines and you know we've not really seen much of his kicking game so we don't really know what it's like but um, he seems to want to run it from anywhere and I don't think that you know given the conditions on, on Saturday I, I don't think that helped us uh, as a team Tom yeah. I don't know if you thought that yeah I was going to say I imagine his kicking game is fairly agricultural but um... <laughs> why would you imagine that? <laughs> Matt Banahan, like for like. <laughs> yeah, remember, had, the, remember br- the days of the Matt Banahan clearances? Brilliant the, kicking The grubber game. kicks that went 60 metres. Um, <laughs> no, I completely agree with you, boys. I thought the wingers struggled to, to, to sort of get in the game. For me, there's a question mark, and, and you know he'll probably go and score four, four tries uh, in Dublin on Saturday, but for me, there's a slight question mark over the last three weeks about Rocco Daguni and, and his ability just to beat men. You know, he got the ball in space on quite a few occasions against Leinster, and obviously Leinster top top side. But um, yeah, he, he does seem to find contact more easily than he did at times uh, last season. But um, as I say, I hope, and I'm sure I'll be I'll be proven wrong, sort of sort of going forward. What was his What was his injury last season? Do you, do you remember what it was? Was it a lower um, Was it a lower limb one? I think it, it was. A- I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, yeah. I but if it wasn't, you know, that might explain yeah. that he may have lost a, a yard yeah. of pace. But um, you know, it, I can't remember where it was. Um, and and I, think, I think if I can see uh, again, yeah, he's, he, he, one of the elements of his game that we've spoken about is he does need to go looking for work a little bit more. Um, he, he does have a tendency to sort of wait on the wing a bit for the ball. And when you're playing a team like Leinster, who are so quick off the line in defence, you know, the line speed really was impressive. It can be difficult to um, sort of spread the ball wide to, to Kokonasiga. And, you know, mm. we saw what happened when uh, we did try and spread the ball wide, um, maybe a bit flamboyantly. Yeah. And uh, obviously... Um, you know, through the interception pass there. Um, yeah, what do we make of that, lads? Like, you know, it's been, yeah, you know, get the, on to the, it. the advantage, yeah. the advantage over. Um, you know, I think most people have seen it, but uh, you know, a very, very uh, small advantage played by referee Matteo Reynal. Um, <laughs> Beautiful, thank you. Um, and yeah, and then you know, Wilson gets it. I, I think, assuming that, that the advantage is yeah. still there, um, and throws a you know an extravagant pass. Um, you know, Charlie, what did you what did you make of, of that decision and, and that sort of length of advantage? Uh, it's just frustrating, um, as is many things with the bar theme, but uh, I seem to be using that word far too much, sorry. Uh, uh, but yeah, it was just frustrating. One, I, you can't really understand why he's thrown that in, insane pass. You know, it, even if we did have... Even if we did have... Uh, at the advantage, as I'm, I'm sure he, he thought, he obviously thought we were still playing the advantage. But uh, I can't understand why he's trying to throw a, a triple miss pass out wide. You, even if you've got a free shot, you don't just you don't just do something ludicrous like that. Uh, and it it's it's just not really fair, in my opinion, to just we to play one phase of a of advantage before just giving it away. You know, we hadn't actually 
gained an advantage from that from that play. Or we'd, the only advantage we gained was the ball, but which we would have had anyway, but off a set piece. So it just seems a bit unfair. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I, for me, in principle, actually, I quite like the the short advantages. I think advantages can be sort of far too long, particularly the penalty advantages. We can go on for sort of five, six phases, and uh, um, you know, I, I think after a team's you know clearly had an advantage from that play. But, but what gets me, and you know, Charlie, you you um, said your piece about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, shall we say, is just the lack of consistency in refereeing. You know, only a few minutes earlier, mm. Lens had a knock-on advantage, kicked it downfield to McConaughey. Um, the ball bounced, McConaughey picked it up, and the referee came back for for no advantage when you know we were in a good sort of counter-attacking mm. position. Um, and, and that's really frustrating. And it was a ridiculously short advantage. And uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I quite agree with you on, on the you know on the free play uh, sort of idea. I think. Uh, you know, we have seen, um, you know, how, you know, the moments of brilliance that have come sort of from those free plays. And I think players should be encouraged to to use the advantage, but it would just be nice to have a bit of clarity and consistency um, over how long that advantage should be. Yeah, but a triple miss pass after the reasonable... Look at what Cipriani's done. Yeah, <laughs> OK. It's, but um, but what, I, what I'm saying, also think about, think about the conditions that there were there. You know, had it, had, it, had it been pulled off, yes, it would have been fantastic and I wouldn't be saying any of this. But you look, the, the reason the ball got, uh, ball got turned over and we had an advantage was because there was a huge gust of wind that... <laughs> Blew the ball about two meters away from the line out. Will Chudley somehow managed to get his hands on it, uh, and but there's, and but there's no downside if if there is an advantage and you know that the advantage is still with you and that it's just going to come back. And I don't see why you shouldn't try these things because there's literally mm-hmm. no downside. But obviously, if these advantages are going to be short, then you know the players need to be aware that they haven't got uh, you know that. Free I think play. it's I think it's it's different for a for a scrum advantage than it is yeah. for a penalty advantage. When you've got a penalty advantage, you you've got much more of a free reign as you say the scrum advantages can be very short and you don't know when they're going to be when they're going to be turned over because sometimes referees will say okay you've got the ball now that's your advantage even if you've gone back five meters from where the infringement was made uh and that's that's why it can just seem a bit a bit mad to try and fling this ball wide a couple of phases get tackles maybe then try and fling it back the other way and then the advantage is over but you're actually 10 meters back from where you were because you've tried to to fling the ball wide I, I just think it would be nice to have, have a bit of consistency in, in sort of how long the, the advantages are but I agree with no, you I completely agree with was, you on that as well uh, yeah um, yeah I think the problem is though with that Tom is it's very difficult to, to sort of get consistency because it's very difficult to to sort of like like do you do it on time do you do it on, on you know rap, you know breakdowns do you do it on um, you know how much ground you gain I think it's very difficult but then you know that's the only thing I'd say but then I, I completely agree with you that that, that that I think that's one that um, you know Matteo Reynal you know he probably just just said it um, without really without really thinking about it um, and I think that's because once he said it, then he can't, he can't bring the try back, and I think that's maybe one decision that um, that he'd like to have back because it, it was a key turning point, and and I reckon with hindsight he would say that that, that was probably too short, um, and and because it because it then led to a try, you know, the game winning try, it, it's it's completely you know magnified a hundred times. Whereas if if that had happened and Wilson had just given it to Roberts who trucked it up, and then and and, and nothing would have came of it, you know, no one would have been talking. Yeah, about exactly, it. exactly. Um, anything else we we want to bring up on this on this game, guys, or, or should yeah, I go a to couple, a couple of things? Though. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was um, going to bring up sort of going to the second half a bit. Obviously, we were level, um, you know, going into half time, and then sort of lost it in the second half, sort of three seven in that half. 
sort of despite having you know 62% territory in that half um, and for me this comes down to you know a point we've made time and time again and that's just this inability to to take opportunities um, you know you guys mentioned it earlier but it, for me it was that opportunity we had on 70 minutes you know the tempo I thought was was really good um, during that that, that that period of play um, and you know the ball was just spilled forward and it is just so frustrating that mm. still you know despite getting that tempo that intensity improving our defense um, we're still not able to, to to take our opportunities and I just yeah I wonder if you guys agree that, that that's still sort of rearing its ugly head despite you know the, the yeah, improved yeah. performance and I yeah. think I think it was it's it's also felt like it was slightly symbolized in the in my opinion slight slight um what's the word uh disaster if you like coming into the final minutes uh as we were rewarded the penalty we're 10 points down it's obvious we want to get come away with a bonus point we spent about 40 seconds or so faffing about deciding whether we wanted to take a scrum which has seemed ludicrous or just take quickly take the penalty right in front of the sticks get the three points Mm. we've then bagged the bonus point and then we can work from the other end of the pitch receiving the kickoff and possibly get a draw out of the game you know it just seemed like we were almost we'd almost resigned to the fact that a bonus point was was a great success, and we even called the scrum as well. Yeah, like, I know I'm the scrum was called, cool, and then someone obviously turned around <laughs> and said, "Are you mad? You know, take those three points." Yeah, and the, I can't understand where that's Chris coming Robshaw from. School of maths. Yeah, but yeah, uh, well, it's just that's, that's, that's yeah. that, that that's it, it's just it was just that it, cannot be anything but a player error, and well. He, yeah, I think it can be. I think that was just really bad clock management, if that if that's in a phrase, by by both by Garvey and by Bath, um, and and by Reynal as well, because you know we were we weren't really sure what was going on with with Doc and Seager, who was down, um, and I, I think the clock the clock should have been stopped, which would have allowed us to to to, to get an opportunity to to run the ball back and and try and try and nab the draw. Mm. So I I think that was you know poor from from both both the players um, and and from the referee because you know that was that was a really you know key moment in the game and and you saw when James Wilson kind of knocked it over he he started to run back thinking you know that, that there was a chance of of. Um, coming back and, and drawing the game, and, yeah. and the referee blew his final whistle. That was disappointing from yeah. from both us and, and and perhaps from from the referee. I thought, yeah, um, there, there there was a call actually from uh, from the um, TMO. Uh, it, it was in French. I know many people don't speak French, but I do. So uh, he, he, oh, he, he was on. saying it was <laughs> he was saying the match is the match is finished after this. So. Uh, there was nothing. There was nothing that the the ref could really do if he's being told over the loudspeaker that that's the end of it. Um, yeah, you know, that, that's it. Listen to the Bath Rugby podcast. Come for come for talk about um, the boys in blue, black, and white, and stay for a, for a French lesson with Charlie. Ooh, yeah, I say my French is very much more down the Wayne Barnes uh, style quality. That, of that is generous to yourself, mate. That is. <laughs> Uh, not the linguist in this room, maybe. Um, Giles, I know we've spoken a lot, spent a lot of time on this, um, but I just want to ask you one question, as I, as I generally do, around the scrum half. So we, I spoke a little bit about the tempo. Um, obviously, you know, m- many of the sort of supporters were disappointed with with Fotowili last week. So, uh, Chudley, massive improvement and, and and crucial to attack going forward. Um, uh, I thought he played okay, Chudley. I think what Chudley's greatest uh, asset appears to be is is kind of when they put a box kick up and it gets held in the wind. His ability to kind of um, to 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 judge where it is and and, and catch the swirling ball is bit, has proved to be you know remarkable. But um, 
I'd, I'd really, really, really like to see uh, Green come back into the fold. Um, you know, I spoken last week that I was disappointed that he's, he's kind of been um, left on the periphery slightly. And whether that's the start, whether that's come off the bench, um, I'd really like to see him him in the 23 for, for Leinster because... Um, I think uh, Chudley's played okay. Uh, Fortley's probably not had his best start to the season, and I, th- I think we need to to rotate Green back in um, and, and, and perhaps bring a, a little bit more, little bit more pace um, and a little bit more, you know, you know, drive that that competition for places uh, on um, with him coming into to the 23. So that, that's how I stand on the the scrum half battle. I'd like to see Green uh, have slightly more of a say, to be honest with you. Oh, we we all know the best nine in Bath was squeezed into a number nine jersey uh, up on Lansdowne Hill, don't we, Gabriel? <laughs> yeah, the best nine in Bath. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom, um, anything else you want to? Are we are we done, guys? Do we want to bring up anything else? I think um, we I think we probably we probably have spent enough time on that. I just yeah. Hopefully, next, well, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, so, well, yeah, no, just yeah, just a couple of. Uh, I'll just turn to Twitter then, guys, and a couple of. Um, couple of uh, tweets that we've had in as I say we're at Bath Rugby Plug on Twitter get in touch with us whenever you want uh, with your thoughts um, uh, and opinions on the club Um, and yeah uh, one thing that um, has been a bit of discussion um, on Twitter after the weekend is 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 the the captaincy of the club Um, and you know yours is is doing a lot of that at the moment then Garvey at the end there with the decision we've spoken about Um, and Garvey is obviously officially the the club captain um, whereas Yule seems to be starting a lot of games um, and, and finishing a lot of games as well. And, and perhaps there's that confusion when Garvey comes on. Where do you guys stand on the on the captaincy? Uh, Tom, I'll come to you first. Uh, Yule's Garvey, are you happy with how it is or would you like to see it changed or made more clear? It's difficult to sort of s- s- say and see what goes on sort of behind the scenes and, and in training. For me, though, right now, Matt Garvey doesn't get in the... I'm not sure he gets in the 23, to be honest, if, if everyone's fit. Um, you know, in the past, you know, I'm thinking back to, to you know to Guy Mercer. We have had a club captain that hasn't necessarily been in the Rama 23. So I don't think that's the end of, its, uh, end of the world in itself. I would like to see um, sort of Charlie Yules take over sort of the playing captaincy. Um, to be honest, prior to this season, I, I you know I, I had almost expected and, and hoped that he he may take over as club captain. And I still think that he will. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a really good captain. He's got a cool head, um, you know, on very young shoulders. Let's not forget. And uh, yeah, um, obviously just committed himself long term to the club. So uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see you all sort of captaining, captaining going forward. To be honest. Yeah, but we we discussed this as well that a captain isn't just on the field. You know, the, the yeah. a, a captain's yeah. role is 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 seven days of the week. Um, and that's why I think pitch. they have club captains. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I I'm, think... I'm pretty happy with it, and I think. I think uh, a captain on the field may make a, a few decisions here or there, but there's always a core leadership group anyway, so it's not usually on one person's head. Uh, yeah. It's difficult to know, isn't it, without without being in around the camp on, yeah. a, on a daily basis. What what I would what my take would be on it would be is is I'm happy to have uh, to have Garvey as club captain, um, but once once sort of Yules or whoever it is is named as captain um, in the 23 then I think he should remain as captain for the, for the whole time yeah. he's on the field. And e- even when, when Garvey, for example, comes onto the field, um, I still think that the, the guy that was named the captain on the, the start of the day, um, if he's still on the field, should, 
remain as captain. That's the only thing that I would like to do because I think that would um, would clarify it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, we've rounded off nicely, and and you know, whilst whilst we are being positive, that that is another defeat for the blue, black, and white. Um, we still haven't won in in this competition, so um, yeah, we'll we'll hopefully get that win uh, win next weekend. But um, that 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 seems to be a long shot. Your council prediction is still alive, just about just about <laughs> alive. And and one thing really quickly before before we move on, uh, just the apology from us about uh, last week when we were talking about the the best bath memory. I really enjoyed that section, as I know a lot of you guys did on on Twitter. Um, and yeah, just the, just to clarify that I don't think that um, uh, in around the, the sort of 2000 era that Bath played with a number 13 shirt. So that I think that explains why there wasn't um, there wasn't one um, in the team sheet that we spoke of last week. Uh, not perhaps that they they'd left it behind. No, that's probably a that was that was a mistake on my part. So uh, <laughs> apologies, uh, you listeners, and thanks for correcting me uh, quite a few times. Uh, <laughs> I've, 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 it's well and truly sunk in. Uh, just uh, showing me, I'm 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 a, I'm a slightly newer Bath fan to uh, everyone else. I'm, yeah, I was gonna say, just, I'm not I'm not not even from the West Country. So uh, <laughs> just don't tweet us every single time we make a mistake because uh, yeah, we haven't got time to go through those tweets. <laughs> yeah, and then boys, um, let's move on to to some off the field stuff now. And there's been been loads of stuff uh, in the week. Um, and and we'll start off. Um, we'll talk about the stadium for Bath uh, slightly later on in the podcast. But what we're going to talk about now is is um, some potential some potential uh, signings. Uh, new players coming into the club um, at Bath and, and this is what um, Somerset Live uh, have been reporting um, you know over the last couple of days uh, so yeah it's, nothing's been confirmed confirmed by the club and, and we, we haven't heard we're just going off, off off the reports from Somerset Live a uh, great work by by the guys there um, and they're reporting that um, Leicester Leicester Tigers uh, versatile uh, forward Mike Williams um, is 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 going to sign for Bath uh, in the summer? Sign a three-year deal, Charlie. Um, what did you What did you make of, of of this? Do you think he's going to bolster our our, our already quite stacked uh, back row? And that's exactly what I was just going to say, Gabriel. We spoken about the strength and depth we already have in the back row, and I'm not sure whether that money might be best spent elsewhere. You know, we've highlighted already the phenomenal game that. Um, Tom Ellis had. Uh, he's a young boy coming through. We've we've touted boys like Miles Reed. As uh, you know, Josh Bayliss mm-hmm. is among the younger ranks as well, uh, and that's just to go along with the other young names who've already established themselves, such mm-hmm. as uh, Zach Mercer and uh, Underhill, for example. Uh, I'm not sure signing a. You know, he's 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 on he's on the 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 latter half of his career. Uh, it's probably yeah. yeah, 27 years old. Uh, it's. I just feel like it's not. It's not the most exciting signing. Um, uh, and if 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 it is, if it does get confirmed by the club, then uh, I just feel like we could have perhaps spent that somewhere uh, that we are in slightly more need. Way to go and offend uh, most of our listeners by saying twenty seven is is in the oh, well, of, his, of, of a professional of a professional oh, no, rugby player. It's not. Yeah, I'm, it's not a I'm not saying. I'm not saying anyone over the age of twenty seven is uh, is is on their way. But <laughs> Tom, what did you in rugby yeah. terms? It's uh, it's 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 no spring chicken, is he? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Twenty-seven. He's got. He's got. Got a few years in him. But um, I think I, I agree with you. I'm not particularly inspired by um, by you know this rumor. Um, what I would say is though, I, I to me, I think that they're probably looking to bring Mike Williams in more as a as a second row rather than the back row. Yeah, I'd agree with um, that. He has he has played second row um, quite a lot. He does also play blindside. So you know, like Matt Garvey and, and, and Tom Ellis in that way. But um, to me, potentially, what this says. 
um, is that um, you know Luke Charteris, Dave Atwood um, out of contract at the end of the season. To me, that says that um, I'm not sure. Uh, sort of certainly both those those contracts will be renewed. Um, and you know we've got massive strength and depth in back row and second row. So whereas I don't see um, Mike Williams sort of a first choice option, I guess he's not a bad player to come in based on the fact that he can play obviously second row um, and back row as well. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I think the point you made, Charlie, about the young guys, um, you know, it's going to be a big year for for a lot of them next year. Um, you know, coming, you know, coming out of the academy and looking for professional contracts. So I, I wouldn't like to see um, to see them their, their progress uh, hindered by this. Um, and 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 you know, you spoke about Williams there. Maybe you know the twilight was great. Three guys that we we've also been been linked with in the week. Um, three young young props. Uh, Tom, your area of expertise. Uh, Lewis Boyce, obviously of, of Harlequins. Will Stewart of Wasps and Christian Judge of of Saracens. Have you made? Have you seen much of uh, either of these three guys? And um, if so, what do you make of them? So of the three, the only one I've seen you know a fair bit of is is Lewis Boyce, and um, obviously mm. referring shortly to my uh, uh, Harlequins, the Harlequins expert on the podcast um I do think Lewis Boyce is a good player obviously he was he was in in around the England setup um sort of last season what I would say is though we are very strong in that position obviously Ben Obano coming back Nathan Catt I think has been one of the standout players um this season so I, I really only see um Lewis Boyce coming in and being that sort of third choice option um, um at, at Lucid. I'm, I'm I'm not entirely sure. I think it's, it's that's probably one of the most exciting signings for the future. Perhaps I think it's uh, it's that looks more into the long term. I think he could really develop into someone who with with a lot of potential. You know, I I I have got my uh, got my attachments to Harlequins as well. So I I have seen him play quite a fair bit. Uh, he spent a bit of time. Um, he spent a couple of seasons uh, down in the Championship, which for young props is you know, invaluable experience because uh, getting that game time and the ability to start and play against some real big guys some of the size of these players in uh, in the championship experienced guys yeah, as well, experienced yeah. guys these, these uh, season heads they're, they're... Will, he, will he get game time though yeah how old is he Tom 22 and how old's Benno 24 Nathan cut 30 yeah yeah exactly yeah, we can say Benno, Benno go, made his breakthrough season really yeah, last, well, I, last I was season. hoping you were going to know that because I was about <laughs> to look it up but I thought you'd know that yeah I, I, I think yeah, maybe. And I think you mentioned it with with Williams. You know, the rumor perhaps suggesting that, that there may be someone going going the other way up at Farley House, and and perhaps this suggests that 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 may also be the case. Um, Fun Royan, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, we haven't seen much of Lucas Nogueira. You know, yeah. uh, unsure about his future. I'm not That's even true. sure he's out of contract, but that may be something that yeah. the club. Uh, you know, we don't know this, but um, I think the fact that we've been linked to to three props, um, you know, within a week is, is perhaps. Um, is perhaps a sign that, that that is somewhere we're looking to bring in and a young guy at that, I'd imagine. And then the final thing uh, on this sort of off, well, the final thing on, on comings and goings at the wreck, a lot of Would stuff. Would you want to mention Will Stewart very quickly and um, Kristen Judge? Well, yeah. Just, very, I, I'll just, yeah. Just, just say one line on them because I think Tighthead is um, an area where we have been a little bit pushed. Obviously, Victor Delmas came in late last season and was re-signed this season. Um, potentially not quite up to it at, at, at premiership level. Christian Judge and um, and Will Stewart, both young guys, um, both on the tight head side. So um, I, I think that's 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 a, a, a sort of a good move in terms of bolstering that position. 
yeah, and perhaps a guy that, that will be working alongside those guys if we mm. do bring them in, mm. um, you know, could perhaps be, as reported by the rugby paper in the week, uh, be Neil Hatley uh, making a return um, alongside uh, big Stuart Lancaster as well, obviously at the rec this weekend for, for the Leinster game, you know, uh, on the Leinster coaching side. Um, and we know that um, both Darren Edwards and um, Toby Booth are, are moving on, guys. And, you know, I think there was perhaps a uh, wrong assumption on, on my part that, um, Lily and uh, Ryan Davis from the from the academy would be would be promoted uh, up to the to the first team, um, and you know if that isn't the case, then then this is pretty two pretty high profile guys that are going to come in, and, and whether they're going to work both work under Lancaster and then Hooper, uh, that would be very interesting to see that see how that plays out. I'm I'm not sure um, how much I believe this because you know what Bath reported in that sort of open letter um, that they wrote to supporters was that they were looking to recruit alongside Hooper one senior coach. And one junior coach. The junior coach would expect to be um, one or two academy guys th- th- that you mentioned there. And and the senior coach, like I'm not sure who that will be. Will that be Lancaster? Will that be a more forwards oriented coach with with obviously Stuart Hooper already there? So um, yeah, I, I'm not. I don't believe, or I'm not um, as convinced by the uh, the Neil Hatley and and indeed James Skaysbrook oh, yeah, um, Skazy, defense yeah. coach rumors. Um, that, that that we've uh, that we've heard, but obviously obviously time will tell. Um, yeah, what about Stuart Lancaster though, Charlie? Uh, yeah, well, I think you'd have to throw the book at him to get him out of Leinster because Is that a contract. Uh, yeah, well, I'm the, you know, but from, from, from checkbook from, or just just throw a book at him. Well, maybe maybe okay. Gavin Dempsey's playbook. Check you could book. throw that at him. <laughs> Soggy playbook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a wet slap around the face. Uh, what about a flag. Yeah, uh, <laughs> on well, fire. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> carry on. Yeah, you'd have to. Throw the checkbook at him. Excuse me, Gabriel. Or and, on fire flag. Uh, or on fire flag, whatever you want. Um, uh, because he he's obviously fitting in very nicely at, uh, at Leinster. Everyone's mm. only got praise for him uh, and the work that he's doing over there. He's obviously he's winning titles. Um, so unless he's got his eye moving back to England uh, in no, with, with eyes on you know another international job wherever that may be is for me I think would be the logical next step for him but otherwise uh, he'd be a very useful man to have but he does tend to be uh, we, you know with his he, he, his development work is fantastic and if that's what we're aiming to do with Bath uh, and perhaps a slightly longer term plan again but everything seems quite long term I kind of want to get someone in who's going to make a real big impact straight away and I'm not sure Stuart Lancaster's necessarily that man I feel he's just uh, he's he, he's 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 the man uh, the man in 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 the want if that's a thing to say uh, he's the one he's the man that everyone kind of wants to get their hands on at the moment uh, but in terms of Bath as a club whether that's the best thing that we need right now I'm not sure yeah, I'm not entirely sure. And if we were to bring in, you know, both these guys, then, you know, you've got Dempsey, Lancaster and Hatley. You know, that's three really high-profile guys who are all going to be working below someone else. I think it would be um, it would be a, an interesting uh, coaches room there. So I think one to track, definitely. But, um, you know, these are, these are only rumours, so uh, it could be absolutely nothing in them, guys. Um, what there does appear, though, to, to be something in, um, and a lot, of, a lot of stuff coming out about it uh, this week, um, is, the, is the stadium for Bath. Um, 
And yeah, so much uh, stuff um, in the press about this. Um, I think I think the main uh, the main the main development this week has been the the, the reveal of the the sort of uh, photos, the the computerized photos of the um, of the. And they look uh, nice, don't they? Yeah, the yeah, images of the wreck are yeah. looking really nice. Uh, there's a nice little walkway they've uh, seemed to be planning on down by the wreck, turning it into uh, it's quite quite a glass structure going on. I wonder how that will fit in with with the uh, the aesthetics of such a beautiful city. But um, yeah, what well, do you could, think? Couldn't have it wooden, could they? Given the it will catch on fire. <laughs> We said, we said we wouldn't mention the flags. Mention them three times. Yeah, we might as well just explain to uh, to everyone. No, we don't need to give us everyone any knows. Time. Everyone yeah. knows about the flags. If you don't look it up, um, yeah. So about the stadium for Bath, guys. A bit of development there. Um, plans. You know, a few of the changes that um, that, that, that from the original plans. I think in terms yeah. of uh, the, the you know the the cut the, the details about the car park being outlined. I think the height of the the stadium is is going to be slightly higher than they initially said it was going to be, which has got some. Um, some people saying, you know, um, not in my backyard. And I think more importantly, the fact that there'll be four permanent sides to the ground now, whereas mm-hmm. previously the plans were that, again, that temporary stand would come down um, and that whole area be used for sort of community um, sort of uh, activities, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I think it looks great. Um, I, I would still stress that I think this is still in relatively early stages. There are so many parties that need to be consulted. Um, but, yeah, it's good to see that there's some uh, some some developments. And, uh, yeah, we'll all be uh, heading off to Cardiff, will we, to watch, uh, to watch Bath in a couple of seasons? Yeah, maybe we will, mate. <laughs> maybe we will. Uh, and, yeah, I think this is the furthest down the down the line that we have got. Um, I saw a bit of bit of chat on Twitter. Um, you know, Carl Fern said that, that he was promised that the new stadium wasn't far away when he joined the club. Um, I think it was back in 2011. And then, and then Flatman sort of got back to him and said, and I was promised it in 03. So, you know, whilst those guys, uh, it never came to fruition, for those guys I think this is the furthest we've we've got down the line so it's exciting times for for the club because uh you know if we can we can improve the wreck uh, and and still keep it in the si- uh, center of the city then then that's absolutely brilliant boys um so then lads let's move on to 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 next week's game uh, obviously the the back-to-back fixtures uh over this period of time in, in European Cup Charlie um and then therefore we go to to Dublin to to face Leinster um, it's gonna be tough yeah, do you, do you give us uh, any shot, mate? Uh, I think if we had a shot of beating Leinster, it was at home, and in that in that game, obviously it was it was a tight match. We was we were within striking distance. Uh, come final, uh, come final minute, uh, final whistle. Sorry, uh, came away with a bonus point, but yeah, it's going to be tough to turn them over in the Aviva Stadium in their backyard. Uh, what do you think, Tom? Um, yeah. I don't know. Normally, I'm really cautious about sort of these these previews. However, I, I do think we we showed a lot of good stuff. Um, the other point I'd make is that um, you know Johnny Sexton, who I think is so sort of talismanic to to what Leinster do, um, he limped off with a calf injury. You know, reports are that he won't be available. We really his wrist as well. He wasn't taking the kicks at the end. We really shut him down as well. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought we played brilliantly against and him. I, you know, I think. You know, we obviously have to win this game if we're even mathematically to stay in um, the European Champions Cup. And uh, yeah, I don't think Leinster looked as good as they have done. Um, whether that's tiredness from the Autumn Internationals, um, whether it was, you know, that we, you know, our, our defence was obviously good as we spoke about. So um, I think, you know, Toulouse have shown that they're, they're beatable. Obviously, it's going to be very, very tough. But I think if we can, um, you know, again, put a good side out on uh, on Saturday, hopefully we won't have... Sort of any, be hampered with any injuries, and yeah. I, I actually think we've got a real chance in this game. Yeah, of course, is that if, if we knew we wouldn't play, I guess, and you got to take you got to take some some confidence after this week. Yeah, so, so 
let's just let's just quickly uh, predict what we're going to think is going to happen, then, guys. Uh, Tom, I'll come to you first, mate. Um, you sounded pretty positive there in your in your little preview. Um, are we? How many are you going to predict Bath by then? <sighs> <laughs> you know, what? I will do it this week. I'll, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I, 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 I don't you... know. There's something about some elements of our game last on Saturday that I think. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, we have got enough. So um, Take a piece of the 16 to 1 on Paddy Power then, mate, before I get my hands on it. I'm going to go... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go Bath by three. European Championship hope still alive. <laughs> Charlie? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's going to be a 10-point victory to Leinster. And I have made a decision this week that I keep getting these wrong. So I'm going to tempt fate <laughs> and predict a Leinster win and therefore Bath are going to win. <laughs> <laughs> so in a roundabout way a Bath victory a Bath victory okay. but for the record Leinster just so I can tempt it thank you very much then guys um, thank you very much for joining me Charlie and Tom uh, thanks for listening as I say get in touch with us on Twitter at Bath Rugby Plug we've also got a Facebook page so join in the discussion there and if you can't uh, get into either of those then we've got an email as well bathrugbyplug at gmail.com um, and yeah thank you very much for listening we really hope you're enjoying the podcast and if you are then leave us a review uh, and tell your mates um, and yeah see you next week uh, to, to review Bath's uh, game in Dublin thanks guys cheers boys